0: And let me lead us in a word of prayer as we begin. Our Heavenly Father, we we want to thank you that as you gather us today for Advent Sunday, we want to thank you for the coming of your Son Jesus Christ on that first Christmas two thousand years ago. Help us, Lord, we pray, that in your Spirit we might live lives watchful and eagerly waiting for his return. In his name we pray, amen. Our friends today, the church celebrates Advent Sunday, and we will be looking at Matthew uh, 24 verses 36 to 51 that uh, Reverend Kubuwa read us now, uh, beginning on page 988 of the church Bible. And somewhere in the middle of your bulletin, you will also find a simple sermon guide under the heading, Be Ready. Be ready. Now friends, I don't know about you, but the words Be Ready have always been a challenge to me personally, even from my very young days. Let me explain. Some of you might be among the over 420,000 students throughout Malaysia who will be taking, or who are already taking, the SPM exams, or those of an older age like myself, and some among you who have children or grandchildren who are taking these exams. Well, you will know, won't you, that the exam period for this year is falling between the dates uh, 13th of November till the 12th of December. So there are still 12 more days to go. Uh, So plenty of exams to come yet. But if you're like me, in my time, you would be no doubt be feeling the heat as you or your children and your grandchildren burn the midnight oil trying to be ready for the next day's exams. And I suspect that goes for most of us, uh, except for the exceptional few uh, talented ones, uh, some of whom might be among you today. Whereas well, for me, it seemed to be that no matter how hard I tried, I never seemed to be ready at all for the next day's paper. Now friends, at least we know the dates of these exams and we can set ourselves a timetable of study and try to be ready to cram as much as we can into our, into our heads so that we can uh, repeat them out uh, at the next day when we see the exam papers. But just imagine that in 2019, students are told this year, sometime after the exam, that SPM for 2019 will be on any date starting from 1st January 2019. There will be no announcements on the RTM, or on the internet, or in the newspapers, or on social media. There will be no announcement. You are just informed now, 2019, any time, any date, it will happen. And it can fall in the morning when you are having your breakfast or in the afternoon or at night when you are sleeping. In fact, come on you at any time. Now imagine, I am already unprepared when I know the dates. Just imagine when, how I would feel when, when such a thing happened to me. When are we ever going to be ready? if such a case were to happen to us in 2019. Well, today's papers, today's passage, addresses a far more urgent and crucial question of readiness, and that is, are you and me ready for the Lord's coming? Are you and me ready for the Lord's coming? Now, earlier in the chapter, Matthew 24, Matthew, chapter, chapter 24 of Matthew, Even the disciples were wondering what sign there will be for Jesus' coming in his glory to bring to an end the present age and to begin his rule over his kingdom. We find this written in the third verse of Matthew 24. Let me just read it to you. As Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the close of the age and Jesus has gone on in the rest of the passage up to our passage in verse 36 Jesus has gone on to answer them to be beware of false Christs and false prophets who will mislead them with all sorts of false claims which would be very tempting and very easy to do in a world that is under God's judgment What with the natural disasters, the floods, uh, the earthquakes, the famines uh, the exploding volcanoes around the world that we see nowadays. And Jesus has gone on to explain to them too, they do not look at the, what seems to be the massive uh, um, uh, structures that you see, for example, in, in Jerusalem. And he was referring to the temple. It is a non-permanent world. And the temple itself and even the city itself will be destroyed some 40 years later on after Jesus has spoken to them in uh, Matthew 24. Jesus has gone on to warn them of persecution and suffering as the disciples strive to live the lives that Jesus has asked them to do, even as the gospel of the kingdom of heaven is proclaimed throughout the world. And at the end of it, Jesus has told them, don't look for signs. Don't look for signs. And be misled by the scammers, as we, will tell, as we will call them today. There is only one certainty. And that certainty is that the whole world would know when Jesus comes. Let me read that to you in verses 29 and 30 of chapter 24. He says this, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give his light. And the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will moan and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Notice that in all these words Jesus didn't say when all this will take place in fact as we open with our passage today on uh, verse 36 Jesus will go on to say that no one will know no one will know the timing of his coming not the day or the hour but only God the Father himself will know let me read that to you but concerning that day and hour no one knows not even the angels of heaven No, the Son, but the Father only. Notice how Jesus didn't say the Son of Man to denote his humanity, but he used the word the Son. And in Matthew, when you see the word the Son being used by Jesus, it is meant to define his divine self, the Son of God himself. But then we might be asking this question, how is it possible that the Christ himself does not know the, coming of, uh, the timing of his own return. How is that possible? And you will find that in some ancient manuscripts, they even left this line out. They left this line out because of the early churches' struggle with the massive theological implications of this statement, that the son doesn't know the timing of his own return. But friends, I want you to see this. In that amazing claim of ignorance, we can see the mind and the heart of Jesus, our Saviour, our Lord himself. Because unlike the disciples, Jesus did not seek a sign. He did not seek to know. He doesn't want to know, but seek only to obey his Father's command. He who is God the Son, who knows all things, emptied himself of this knowledge. And we find that a little bit later in the Bible, in the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians will say this about Jesus. That though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God to be something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, or emptied himself, in some translation. Taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. You see what is happening? Jesus entrusted himself entirely to the Father for the completion of the plan of salvation for mankind. The God who loves the world so much that the Son was sent into the world as a human being, anointed by the Holy Spirit for his mission, and would suffer and die so that those who trust in him may be saved. Now, that is a great comfort to all believers For just as the divine Son of God could depend so absolutely on His Father, so we too, mere human beings, can depend absolutely on Him also. We can be absolutely sure of God the Father. Though humans may rage and try to wage war against God, and rage and wage war against each other, Though the world will persecute and destroy our physical bodies Though the world will decay uh, around us Though on that last day of Jesus' coming The last day of human history The sun is darkened The moon loses its light And the stars will fall down from heaven And the heavens itself will be shaken There is one absolute certainty, friends God is still God God will still be God and he is sovereignly and completely in control. So, we don't need to be worried about anything. We don't need to be looking for signs as to when Jesus is coming, whether now or then Or certain patterns of clouds will show us what time Jesus is coming. Don't let us be fooled and be led astray by false prophets who point out to these signs and say, look, this is the time that Jesus will come. Our readiness, friends, it's total faith, total trust in God and total faith in His timing. Now friends, it is not only the false prophets and the Christ that can cause us not to be ready. Jesus is going to go on to say that even the very ordinariness, if there is such a word, the very normalness of our everyday lives can lull us into this false sense of security. The Lord gives us three examples. First, the example of Noah in uh, verses 38 to 39. Let me read that to you. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. The people of Noah's time were not ready. So caught up were they in the ordinary process of living, of eating and drinking, of growing up, in other words, of taking wives when they reached a certain age and for themselves. And they in their turn, giving away their daughters to others as wives. So caught up were there in the ordinariness of their living, that they, didn't, they were lulled into a sense of security. And suddenly, the rain came, and the floods came, and before they realised it, they were all swept away and destroyed, except for Noah and his family. Noah had prepared himself, had prepared for himself, relying on the guidance of God the Father for this very moment. But all the rest all the rest who were caught up in the the full security of the day, were swept away and destroyed. That's the first one, the the example of Noah. Secondly, Jesus paints for us a montage, a composite picture if you like, made up of two scenes of domestic and uh, pastoral life of normal Middle Eastern life during the Lord's time in verses 40 to 41. And we see that then the pastoral activities were the normal work of the majority of the men and in this case by using the word field it's most likely tending to the crops rather than tending to the animals now as we have just said many people will still be looking for signs so some people still hoping to see a sign here in this passage even though the lord has said there will be no sign would be very tempted to see a sign here. Hey, the Lord is coming. Must be in the daytime because you can only work in the field during the day. No, Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus is saying the very suddenness and unexpectedness of his coming would sweep the unprepared man away while the other one who is prepared will be taken up to safety. And to complete the montage or the composite people. A picture of ordinary life. Two women will be occupied with some normal household duties. Uh, In this particular case, grinding uh, grain at the flour mill. The one that is not ready will be swept away and perish. But the one who is ready will be caught up to safety on the Lord's coming. That's the second example. The third example that Jesus gave was the example of the thief at night. The very normalness of our lives can make us callous and therefore unprepared for the thief who breaks in during the unexpected hours of the night when the household is fast asleep. Friends, verses 42 and 44 summarise all this together. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming and therefore you also must be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect so so far when we come to the end of this part of our passage what we have learned from Jesus is that his coming will be unknown except for the father only the father will know the exact timing and while we are unsure we will know that we must stay ready we must stay alert in spite of the busyness in spite of the uh, hustle and bustle of our lives we must stay alert and when we come to the last section of our passage jesus teaches us what it means to live lives of readiness even when we do not know the hour or the day of his coming he tells us this In the parable of the two servants and we want to go through this very quickly the first servant how is he described by Jesus well in verse 45 Jesus calls him faithful and wise his master has chosen him from among all his other servants to look after the household when he went traveling when he was away this slave or this servant is responsible he feeds the household at the proper time. In verse 46, the servant continues to faithfully do so, to do what the master has commanded him to do, even when he did not know when the master would return. But when he did return, the master will find him faithfully hard at his tasks, doing what the master has asked him to do. And in verse 47, what is his reward? Well, the master will entrust him with all his possessions. That's the first servant. What about the second servant? How is he described? Well, in verse 48, Jesus calls him wicked. He's a wicked servant who does not think that the master would return. Would return. And in verse 49, he says, Jesus said he will go around mistreating his uh, fellow servants and beat them up. And things like that he would neglect the work that the master has commanded him to do he answers only to his own selfishness he indulges himself by gallivanting with the bad guys eating and drinking and enjoying himself and in verse 51 our last verse what is the master's judgment the master's judgment is to punish him severely here figuratively speaking cutting him into pieces but more importantly he will be sent away to be with the hypocrites. Now, the thing about hypocrites in Matthew is that the word has very, very serious consequences. Matthew labels, uh, In Matthew, Jesus labels those people as hypocrites who pretend to be what they are not. They do things like uh, giving alms, for example, or fasting and praying only to be seen and to be praised by other people. They honour God with their lips, but their hearts are not with God. Jesus has condemned the Pharisees as hypocrites. Listen to this. As hypocrites who shut others and themselves from heaven. And what is the only other place besides heaven? Well, the only other place assigned to them besides heaven will be the helpless will be a place of helpless uh, regret and remorse and there will be weeping and the gnashing of teeth also for instance we come to the end of our passage some of us may be asking what is this guy doing talking about event and uh, talking about the sun and the moon not giving light and the stars falling down from heaven and the heavens themselves being shaken isn't christmas about celebrating the birth of the Son of God as a human baby. And for us, it is fixed on the 25th of uh, December to make it easier for us. And while we are at it, we get some nice presents, and we get to put on some kilos of weight, eating some nice foods that we don't get to eat the rest of the year. What is he talking about, this judgment thing and all this serious stuff? Well, friends, we celebrate Christmas because... We believe that God has sent His Son to earth to save us. And we give each other gifts to remind ourselves of God's supreme gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. A supreme gift for humanity that only God Himself can give. And we, and we also know that Christmas reminds us to thank God for his promise to send his son to come for us on that last day of human history. And today's passage tells us not to spend our time gazing up into the sky, looking at patterns or signs of when Jesus will come back, looking for signs that will tell us uh, whether it is this day or that day, or it will fall in the morning, or it will fall in the evening, or, or... having itchy ears, rushing here and there to all sundry false prophets and false Christs to hear what stories they have to tell us. Jesus reminds us that even he himself, the Son of God himself, didn't want to know, much less we human beings. Why would we want to know when Jesus himself didn't want to know? But at the same time also, Jesus was reminding us that we are not to twiddle our thumbs when we are waiting for him to come, or being so caught up with our lives, our busyness, in the hustle and bustle of living every day, that we do not keep a watch out to get ready to be alert for Jesus to come back. Or to go on sinning, enjoying ourselves at the expense of others who have been put under our care. Jesus didn't want us to do that. What does He want us to do to prepare ourselves in our lives? He wants us to be vibrant witnesses to God's love for us. That can only happen, friends, when we have the heart and mind of a servant, as we seek to emulate Jesus' heart and mind. And you know, that's not easy. It's easy to say, but it's not easy to do. But we know also one other thing, that is sure. Sure we can always depend on Him, rely on Him to grant us His strength and guidance. To obey Him as the Gospel message goes out into the world, never worrying about what the world can do to us, but what we can do for the world in Jesus' strength. That is what Jesus wants us to do, to be vibrant witnesses of His Gospel of love and salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus and thank you that uh, on that first Christmas as he came to earth as a baby to live and grow and to suffer and die for us, uh, he came ready to do his Father's will. We want to thank you too, Lord, for his resurrection and ascension to your right hand. And we pray that as we seek to live worthy lives, waiting for Jesus to come for us, your spirit will continue to mold us to your will and to give us the strength to grow and become more like Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.